We are Exosphere. Uh, I'm Jackie. This is Steve. And you are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Anyway, so let's talk about Exosphere. Um, New single, uh, Beg Toward the Sky is out. Um, Now that it's done, how do you feel about it? Now that it's out there, how do you feel about it? And are you satisfied with the uh, outcome? Uh, Incredibly happy with it. I I think that can speak to to both of us here. We've had this song for a good bit of time. Uh, When we released our first album, Nightmares, this was one of the songs we also had. We were working on that didn't quite make it onto that one. Mm-hmm. And so we've had it for a good amount of time. And I think that gave us the ability to really finally craft the song in right. all the ways necessary to push it to that next level. And I, I think this is definitely our best song that we've seen come to fruition. Nice. Hey, there's Chris. I'm here. He's Sorry back. I jumped in. You guys keep going because, uh, yeah, I just jumped in. So I'll, I'll catch up here. Sorry. So was it was this like a one of the ones that didn't make nightmares or night yeah nightmares? Yeah. yeah, it's I guess like making it isn't quite the right word. It it just didn't fit the uh, feeling and the mood of and the, the other song too because it kind of had the concept just different to nightmares. Right, because nightmares was just kind of a bunch of bad trips put into music, and then <laughs> this one is just kind of like the beginning of a story. So. Yeah, it, it definitely had its own self-contained like idea that was being sought throughout the song. And so for our upcoming album that we've got here, we decided to expand on that idea within that song and mm-hmm. make it a full concept album. Gotcha. Concept albums. That's so fair. maybe Bruce asked this question. I did. What's the... Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Gene, he's getting attacked by Gene and Paul back yeah. there. But um, you guys look pretty young. What's where did you get the idea for a concept album? So this is uh, kind of the combination of both of us, kind of just a little bit of screwing around and a little bit of oh my gosh, this is kind of a cool idea. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Like we we've calmed down from the tripping our minds out days, and now we'll just you know sit with the bowl or whatever and hang out and love it. With the with this one, we were just like, okay, so we've got this robot character here, and it's suddenly alive and has humanity. What's the first thing you would do if you were just like in an instant a grown adult? And it was like ah! like panic noises and stuff like that. Like that's. And so we basically sought that vibe for that song and it pushed us in a lot more of a hardcore and aggressive kind of uh, direction for this next one. Yeah, It kind of seems to me like a mixture of like, um, I don't know what they call it, like New York avant-garde meets like trip metal or like stoner rock. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. like, Like almost like Andy Warhol meets metal. If that makes any sense, yeah. <laughs> we definitely got like those art influences because, like, we we've been listening to a lot of shoegaze and noise rock, which you know comes all from No Wave and Glenn Branca, who is like just the, the king of abstract shit and music. So, yeah, yeah, 
I think a lot of people too, when they talk about shoegaze and stuff, they often forget to talk about the impact that the Velvet Underground had in starting that whole movement. Oh yeah, That's you know, you listen to yeah. some of that old Velvet Underground, and it, if they were if they were to play that right now, it would still be just as relevant to that genre as it was then. Really, hundred percent. Yeah, no, Velvet Underground. They were like doing great stuff with modulation and walls of distortion and reverb. It was great. Oh yeah, it was just unbelievable. So I'm gonna and just say this. And just, yeah. I'm gonna just say Sorry. this. I've heard of the Velvet Underground and I know who they are, but I can't tell you that I've heard anything. Oh fuck off! No, I'm being. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm being, hey, I'm being can you join me in just raising both middle fingers to Bruce? <laughs> hey now, I'm gonna be the one editing this, so we'll take those fingers down now because I can make everyone look bad. <laughs> Okay, no, Bruce, no, are I you honestly, being serious? I am being serious. I know who they are, and, and I may have come across them on like a classic rock station, but I don't know that I could even name a Velvet Underground song. Heroin, Waiting for the Man, no. White Light, White Heat. No. See, I've heard those Pale songs. Blue Eyes. I've heard of those songs, but not. Sweet, Sweet Jane. That's You've definitely Lino, heard Sweet Jane. It? No, Is that's the Velvet Underground. Oh, okay. Well, then I know. Yeah, Lou Reed is the Velvet Underground. Okay. All right. I was just Whatever. like, wait a second here. All right. Never mind. Anyway. Yeah. Well, like, hear- if you listen to the first time I heard heroin, it tripped me right out. I was like, what am I listening to? They have those big drones in the background, no drummer, just like banging on shit. And like, it's crazy. Yeah, no, they definitely encompassed a lot of that, like, no wave kind of stuff. Just very not like known to Western music like interesting odd concepts i love it yeah yeah but like i'm not saying you guys sound like them but like when i listened to the song it kind of reminded me of like um like this new york art scene meets really high stoners it was, it was like Mastodon. i don't even know how to describe it other than that really that's just yeah, how i kind of pretty fair yeah. i get a little bit of mastodon oh, okay yeah. Oh yeah, that is definitely a, a shared influence of both of ours. Oh, yeah. And I think with this album, we definitely wear that a good bit more on our sleeve with the pacing of the riffs overall, as well as the forms of a lot of the songs. Oh yeah. Chris, have you heard of Mastodon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is I've heard of them. Um, so, you, so, you guys look really high. Are you super high right now? Um, you know, I can't lie to you. We're, there's like a 50% chance that anytime you're talking with both of us <laughs> in the same room, we're going to be pretty fucking blessed. All right. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, that's great. But I'm going to ask this question. What is it like writing songs, tripping balls, as you said, as opposed to just sitting with a bowl? Is it completely different? It, it is 100% a different mindset. It feels like with the first album, those songs kind of just expelled out of us. Like we were writing so many songs really fast with that stuff. Yeah. Like we, and they were all the same kind of vibe and we just like incessantly kept playing and wanting to perform. Uh, With this next one, now that we've kind of got that out of our system more or less, it feels like we can be more consciously focused on what the music is going to sound like with purpose, as opposed to this having to be the 
the natural expression of the band at that point. So did you ever write songs when you were tripping and then like come to and go, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> so many times you'll be like tripping and you'll be like, oh, I'm writing the greatest thing ever. This sounds so cool. And you know, last years, but you listen back to it and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. I think we had a song like as above, so below oh, that yeah. we made after like we were both off some, some shit. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it was self-indulgent stoner rock. It was like six minutes. There was a pointless like dual guitar solo. It, oh, black. But to be fair, you do that when you're sober too. You know. I mean, hey, fair enough. I, I guess the the taste is the important part there. Right. <laughs> I love that couch. That couch looks like right comfortable. It, it's it a nice one. I had it about seven years in my family there's a second generation house now so. this is this is what i'm thinking like are you guys roommates by chance no. we're not no oh okay okay right, what were you thinking i want to hear because i was like say that well because they look like so comfortable together like they've been hanging out together for their entire lives oh. and they're sitting on what i would call a typical band couch you know like yeah. every every person that's young that's in a band has a hand-me-down couch from their parents yeah. or from someone. <laughs> All right, and it's I... always like super comfortable. So that, that's, you know. Can I say something without being insulting? Yes. I'm thinking it's like oh, a- to me or to them? To them, really. But I'm thinking it's sort of like a Beavis and Butthead couch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's really accurate. Yeah, we right. Sorry, not, uh, I don't want to offend. <laughs> you guys are watching clips of Winger right now, probably. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Background, you know, got to keep the hype up. Yeah, but they're gonna change. The, they're gonna change the title of the song to "She's Only 18. Right. <laughs> Hold on one second. So that is a weird thing, right? So I think that was a great song in the '80s. But that I listened to. Uh, Sirius XM, and I was listening to Hair Metal recently, Hair Metal Nation or whatever it's called, Hair Nation, and the DJ was talking about he saw uh, them play it just recently, but now he's changed it to She's Only 70 because he's so conscious of the, the movement we're now in where you can't say anything. Because that song would never be allowed to oh, be yeah. played 20, I mean, nowadays, right? <laughs> that song would never be allowed to be played this year, right? I mean, this oh, many yeah. days. Yeah, no, that and, like, most of the just, like, cock rock kind of shit from the 80s, like, you know, all the Motley crew and Poison, like, so much of that stuff is, like, morally questionable. <laughs> <laughs> At best. Even, even, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some of it, yeah, just, like, send them to jail. And it, it's a sign of the times, for sure. So I, it's, it's like the same grain of salt that you take with, like, films or the back you go. It's, oh, my God. My wife was like, you have to watch Dirty Dancing. And I've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And I watched it. And I'm like, this is a movie about a pedophile. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's told as a love story. I'm like, this is kind of weird. Right. That, that glamorization of it, of really, really young girls is, is, is a very strange artifact to have seen carried on so long through cinema. Oh, yeah. But nobody thought Absolutely. twice back in the 80s and the 90s or early 90s, right? I mean, it was just the thing. Right. Yeah. It was just so normal and part of it. Yeah, I was talking to my parents specifically about it and just like 
that that idea wasn't like even something that crossed their mind at the time like but my mom was catholic so she was like she meets the right person when she's 17 she may as well be married you know right, right. <laughs> but i remember listening to like christine 16 from the guys behind me from kiss and it was just perfectly normal it was played on the radio and everybody said and now that song is like holy shit <laughs> especially yeah. when you know the story of kiss yeah you're like that's even worse I mean, <laughs> one of the lines in the song is like when i saw her coming out of school that day i knew i had to have her i'm like holy fuck yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> not now oh fuck no you could never do that now thankfully Thankfully, right. as a supporter of women's rights, I don't want that around anymore. Yeah, I agree. Glad we have progressed as a society. All of that, like, yeah, very good that we are not in the eighties. I can just say that. Well, you know, Dirty Dancing is a classic movie, but I watched it and I was just like, this guy's like in his thirties, yeah, and he's banging a sixteen-year-old behind her parents' back, and her dad's like, "Oh, I'm mad." Like, <laughs> so lyric content aside, I, I'm going to say something controversial here. I think the 80s were the pinnacle of music. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. fair, I would say. Lots of the best music. Like, you got Megadeth, Metallica, you got like death metal immersion. Like, right. You and and then I, mean, I grew up on the hair metal scene and I grew up, you know, going, spending a lot of time in LA. And yeah, it was very misogynistic. But if you take out, lyrics wise it was great music i think and good players really good yeah. players oh yeah you got lynch and Dokken who just like slayed like most of the shredders from the 80s yeah oh my god i saw george lynch live in vegas last year uh, i bet that was yeah. awesome oh dude it was crazy he was it was like he opened for Dokken. And then he was supposed to, then he was supposed to play with Dawkins for a few songs, but like I watched him, I forget what his band is called now. It's George Lynch and something, but he played, and I was just like, "Holy fuck!" I'd never heard a guitar player that with that much feel and that much precision at all ever. Like I've never, it was just unreal. Yeah. And then Dawkins came on, and he was so bad. I just left. I just. <laughs> I couldn't even stick her around. But. Yeah, Lynch Mob is like some great music. George Lynch is just like, he's kind of like Eddie Van Halen 2.0. He's got the feel of Eddie, but definitely he's got more of the like neoclassical shred kind of mentality while, you know, yeah. still obviously blues influence. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So good. So what's next for Exosphere? What do you guys have? Uh, are you hitting them, taking this out on the road or? Yeah, we're trying to play out a few shows throughout the summer. We've got our first one starting at beginning of July here at Magoo's uh, out in Chicago. Any of y'all nearby, check that out. Uh, and we'll be playing some more shows throughout, so you can keep an ear out for that. Uh, we're looking to get this album finished, recorded, and sent out. Looking for a release date tentatively end of the year or early 2023 which feels fake to say yeah, <laughs> the end of the year. But here we are in the middle of, I mean, in, in the end of May, beginning of June here, it's this year's flown, flown by. It oh, is. Yeah. It's absolutely true. It's been going by real fast and we've spent a lot of it already. Like when do we start working on this album? Probably 
hopefully like January. Yeah, right, like right after we finish with Nightmares. So like yeah. February 2021. It's it's been over a year. Oh wow. Wow. It's a long writing process. That's a lot of weed. <laughs> there's fuel of multiple kinds that goes into that kind of writing you know <laughs> and a lot of times sitting on the couch contemplating right yeah, yeah. sometimes hey. the most important work is doing nothing at all <laughs> yeah hey i i often think the most important part of songwriting is putting the song down and just walking away and letting it play in your head yes mm-hmm. and that's because absolutely. that's that's when the ideas come Yes, hundred percent. You start to kind of like you hear the song in your head, and then you kind of put layers on it and kind of play with it. And then you know, next time you go sit down with your guitar or whatever, you kind of know what to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you guys write all together, absolutely. or like in the in the same room, or you is it more the efforts of one particular member? A little bit of both. So like, me and Steve are definitely the. Uh, for foremost songwriters for the group uh we we usually jam out riffs on our own so either i or steve will bring in something to the group and then we can work with it from there and kind of flesh out the song form and everything with it so the the ultimate songwriting is collaborative at that point but it almost always starts from either me or steve bringing like a minute or a minute and a half material and we're like okay let's make this into something yeah like you kind of get an idea and then you just build around it till you have like a full song and you know eventually it's like so much of our music it's just 50 percent me 50 percent jack you know i'll bring a cool riff and jack you'll be like oh if we change these notes around it'll fit perfectly with this thing i got and then we already have like half a song right there mm-hmm but in the end, you cool. guys are getting together and bouncing ideas off each other, like the old school way, and not like emailing stuff back and forth, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that I think that is a big advantage of uh, how we've been able to operate so far, as we are able to just do everything together and make sure that the information exchange is accurate between each other, and that what we're playing is complimenting and might like won't be misconstrued in any possible way and also i think in the end it makes it more organic and more accessible right because i think you can feel that or hear it yeah exactly we definitely want our all of our music to have that like real organic feel to it and big props huh? to uh billy barnett for uh the production on that single oh, there. yeah uh, he helped produce the the newest Yab album, uh, Our Raw Heart. Right? He's done all of Yab's. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, Billy Barnett is like Yab's guy for uh, mixing. It seems, and working with him has just been amazing because we worship Yab. So, like, just working with the guy who, because you know, there's a lot of albums that sound really good, but Yab's albums always just have like this feel to them, this atmosphere. So. There is no one in the world I would have rather worked with than Billy Barnett for this. That's right. Cool. How did you guys end up meeting up with him? Oh, uh, we just loved Yab and we were like, who produced the newest album? Because their newest album, Ara Heart, is just such like a flawless sounding album. It's like perfectly gritty. So we just looked up who did it and you know, we found, I think it was Gung Ho Studios. Yes. And we uh, just gave them an email asking if, you know, they would uh, work on our song and we worked out a price and we got it done. It was nice. super, super nice, super professional. Knew exactly what vibe we were going oh, for. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. 
That's good when somebody gets it, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. It, it just makes it seamless. That's why I wanted them, too, because we got, like, you know, the spacier parts in our music, and we also got, like, the tight, heavy stuff, and we knew he's someone who could handle, like, the thick psychedelic walls of modulation that we have, plus just the, you know, tight, groovy riffs. Makes sense. Nice. Chris, you got anything else? I have one question. So how do you pronounce Chicago? Uh, I, I kind of do it in a subconsciously lazy way with the SH. So, so I say Chicago a lot, but yeah. it's, it's like a, a mixture between CH and SH, like Chicago. Really? I just say Chicago. All right. I, don't, I never even thought about that. Why? Right. It kind of messes on. with your Yeah. Why is that even a thing? I never thought about it. It's Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just... Everyone I talk to, though, says it slightly differently. It's like no one really knows how to say it. That's the weird thing. We're from the suburbs, too, so you got to take us with like a grain of salt. Like. Right. We, we have a slanted view on it. I know the Chicago uh, crowd is definitely large out here. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I didn't even know there was a there's Chicago there's controversy. Yeah, no, I just... Earlier, I heard you say... So, earlier, because you said Chicago, and I was like, is it Chuh? And then you said Chicago, and I was like, is it Shuh? And then you're like, it's a combination of the Chicago. <laughs> I was like, well, what is it? I don't yeah, know. You got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all I got. Well, all right. That's awesome. Thank you, my friends, for taking the Thank time. You. I appreciate it. Thanks for, Thanks for having us. Love y'all. Have a good one. Yeah. Take care. Be well. Keep it safe out there, gentlemen. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.